Hi, filmmakers. Jason Brubaker with Filmmaking Stuff, where we show you how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Uh, today, once again, I'm talking to you from Los Angeles. Um, but what makes our conversation pretty interesting is we're going to talk with John Trigonis. He's the vertical manager of film at Indiegogo. He's a published poet, writer, and storyteller. He's a do-it-yourself filmmaker. He's a freelance professor, and he's the author of Crowdfunding for Filmmakers, The Way to a Successful Film Campaign. Um, and if it's not apparent, we're going to talk a lot about crowdfunding, and, and I know there's a lot of questions out there. In fact, a lot of people, um, our friends over at, on uh, Facebook, at the Filmmaking Stuff page on Facebook right now, uh, they're posting questions, and we're going to, John and I are going to take some time to answer these questions. And, and I really, I'm excited. I think you're going to get a lot out of today's podcast. Uh, so make sure you share it with friends. And if you like it, um, well, we always love your feedback on, on the iTunes page in terms of a review. Um, John, welcome. Welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff podcast. How are you today? Oh, man. Jason, I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on here. It's pretty awesome. You know, I'm I'm excited to talk with you. Um, it's funny, and and you and I have have spoken before, and and you've written some great articles for filmmaking stuff. Um, but really interesting when I'm out talking about film distribution, which is where I spend a lot of my time. One of the things that I talk about is crowdfunding, and I bring it up for a couple reasons. Um, you know, first of all, I, I think apparently um, filmmakers love it because it's a good way to raise money. But I also see it from a marketing standpoint as a way to, benefit, to, to build buzz and also test your marketing campaign before you dive in both feet first. Um, what, from your perspective, what, what are your thoughts? What are the key components to crowdfunding? I mean, you, you kind of said it right on the head. I mean, our, our mutual friend Adam uh, Chapnick, uh, you know, one day he, he said in a room full of people that if you're crowdfunding for the money, you're doing it wrong. And it was the first time I heard that, and I was like, oh, my God, wait, really? And, and then it made me realize when I did my first campaign that I was doing exactly what Adam said. is like I wasn't crowdfunding for the money because when I, you know, I, I was getting more than, more than just money. I was getting, like, friends. I was getting acquaintances, followers, conversations. I was getting so much more out of it. So crowdfunding to me is you know, in a personal way, it's a misnomer. It, you know, I really like the term crowdsourced funding a little bit better because it takes some of the pressure off of the word funding because we automatically think that it means money. Oh, we're here to get money. And we are, of course. But if that's the primary focus, it, you are absolutely doing it wrong. Crowdfunding, you have to engage the crowd before the funding. It's even in the word itself. The crowd comes before the funding. So it's marketing, it's promotion, but it's not only that, it's a conversation with you, your project, and other people who may want to see that project come to life. So for me, it's an absolute conversation with people. And what made you, tell us a little bit about your background. So how did you get into crowdfunding? I was getting on Twitter uh, about, you know, this is about like 2009-ish. Mm -hmm. And I had just gotten on Twitter and I, you know, I didn't get it. I was like, what is this thing? Why are, what are these dollar, you know, money uh, or, or, you know, tic-tac-toe boards all over the place? What's going on? Right. And, and I decided to just, you know, like give it a shot. And, and I started just having these conversations. And as, 
probably happens with so many people every day today. You're, you're on, the, uh, on Twitter, you're on Facebook, and you're seeing somebody post this thing about a campaign that they're running to raise money for their project. And you can't help but check it out. And then I said to myself, oh, man, people can actually raise money online for their projects? Well, I didn't believe it, Jason. So I said, you know what? I saved up $10,000 to make my next short. If I had $5,000 more, I wonder if I could make an even better short. Let me try this crazy thing called crowdfunding. Uh, and I tried it, and I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, it was me and my, uh, my now fiancé, Marino, uh, running the campaign with a couple of other folks from the, uh, the film team. And we just trial and error. We did some fun things. We, we got some recognition from Indiegogo, our platform of choice, uh, even back then. And, you know, raised $6,300 in three months of intense, full-time crowdfunding work. Uh, on the side of my my job back then, which was a uh, as a freelance professor at a bunch of schools, um, so it's uh, that was how I kind of got my feet wet into it. And then I was basically, you know, being asked by a lot of people, "Oh, can you can you give me some advice?" And I wrote a couple of blogs, and then they would kind of get in touch with me. They'd, "Oh, I read your blog; it's great. Can you look at my campaign and let me know what you think?" And because I don't like to charge people for that kind of stuff, like you know basically talking to them and information. I just, I have an issue with that for some reason. Um, I, you know, I was just using a lot of my time and I was kind of, you know, not being able to do more. So again, Marinell says to me, well, you should write a book on crowdfunding. And I did. So I wrote crowdfunding for filmmakers. And then even while that was in the process of getting published by Michael Weesey Productions, mm-hmm. I was still giving away free advice on Twitter on Facebook whenever I could, and that's when Indiegogo stumbled upon me on Twitter and said, you know, you're giving really darn good advice to these filmmakers. I think we need to hire you. And that's what got me into this whole world literally full-time now. It's amazing on so many accounts how the power of social media and not just that, but you sharing your advice you know, it took you from the path of being a filmmaker, which I know you're still making movies, but now you're you're seen as one of these guys that's really helping the population, uh, the whole filmmaking community, go out and become more successful with their crowdfunding campaigns. Um, we are receiving quite a few questions over on the Filmmaking Stuff Facebook page about crowdfunding. And if it's okay with you, John, I'd like to dive into a few of those questions. Um, Let's dive. <laughs> well, let, let's start from the start. Before we get into and some of these questions are, are pretty sophisticated. Before we go there, let's talk a little bit about what you think makes a successful crowdfunding campaign. And I know there's, there's people that have you know a lot of great ideas for the project that they want to fund. Um, but what do you have to say about choosing a budget and, and taking the initial first steps? Definitely. Well, well let, let's, let's backtrack to that question of like what, what really makes a successful campaign. And, and the mm-hmm. more I'm seeing campaigns on a regular basis, because uh, that, that, that's actually what I do is I look at campaigns and I give advice. The key thing that I'm seeing is you have to be authentic about what you're doing. You have to know, number one, you have to, if you're saying you're a filmmaker, you have to be a filmmaker, but you have to be passionate about your project. You have to be able to show that kind of passion for your project. And a lot of that revolves around, um, you know, you're, you're being, being personal with your, not only your film and yourself, but being personal with the crowd. I actually read an article recently 
uh, saying that marketing is becoming more personalized every year. And in two years, it's going to be the most, per and I'm like, well, yeah, thanks for catching up. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like it's been this way at, at our level, at the DIY indie film level. We've been, we've known that for years. Now it's just getting maximized on a, on a massive scale because we don't necessarily want to fund the project. We'll fund the person behind the project. If they show us that they really want to make this project and they give us those reasons to, for us to want to jump on board this project and see it. So, yeah, I, I think being a person, uh, 100%, um, the, you know, in my, in my estimation, the days of like being a corporate entity making a film are, are, are numbered at, at the, the indie level. You know, it's kind of like, no, we want to know this director and we want to get into their, their world. And crowdfunding is the best way to get into that world before the movie comes out and we see it. So that's, that's kind of like the, the, the main thing. Um, what was that other part of the question? I, I get on tangents sometimes. Well, well I, do, I do as well. And, and gosh, you know, you're really – I enjoy what you're saying because I think a lot of people, going back to what you mentioned earlier about Twitter and social media and different ways that we communicate, I think so many people jump into it with this idea that they just want to shout at the world, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. And marketing, and I think you mentioned this earlier, it really is a conversation and it's it's – you know, the idea that you can go out there and be very genuine and actually answer people's questions and help them and provide value in the world is mm. tremendous. And, and crowdfunding, you know, it, it sure seems like the next step to amplify that approach and, and actually, um, you know, say, you know, uh, I want to do even more valuable stuff. Let me, yeah. let me create this project and, and get moving with it. So, you know, the second part of my question had to do a little bit with trying to figure out the scope and scale of a project. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of filmmakers that think like, oh, I'm going to do crowdfunding to raise $100,000 for my first project. Yep. And they have 20 people on their email list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I work with that. That's kind of like uh, a slight pet peeve of mine. I don't have any pet peeves in life. I just, as long as I'm breathing, I think it's a great day. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, but what I do see a lot of times is that, you know, people, especially first time crowdfunders, they see all the great campaigns out there that are raising like a hundred thousand, 500,000 and upwards of a million dollars. And they come with this idea that they can do it. And I actually will say to them straight up, yes, you can. What's your network like? That's the first question I got to ask, though. You can do anything you want. What's your network like? Because if you do have 200 followers and they're not really that engaged, you're probably not going to get anywhere in the vicinity of 200,000. And then the next response will usually be, but my project is so awesome. Everybody's project today is awesome because we, that, that's the beauty of of crowdfunding, of social media. We can put it all out there. You will find an audience, but the first audience is yourself, your family, your friends. They have to get you to 30% of your goal. That's it. That, that is the, the bare bones rule of things because if you can't get your family and friends to give you that amount, not many other people are going to randomly stumble on your project amidst the thousands of others out there, you know? And then if they do, you got to give them a really good reason to fund your project. And that's where all the other stuff about crowdfunding comes in. But I tell people, you don't, just because you need $100,000 to make your film doesn't mean that's what you set your goal at. You have to set a goal at a level that you can commit to raising that money. So again, you know, I, 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 I ask those three questions. The first question being, 
What is your, um, and I think I wrote this um, on, on your blog, um, or I mentioned it in one of the points, but, um, you know, number one, what is uh, your social media like? You know, mainly Facebook, Twitter, and also email, because email can be very social if you do it right. Second question, do you know where 30% of your funds are coming from? So weigh that against how much money you really want. So if you want to, you know, 500,000, what's 30% of that? Do you know where you can get that? And then you ask the crazy third question, can you get that 30% in three days? And if the answer is anything but an emphatic hell yes, we need to bring the goal down to a level that you know you can get 30% of within three days. So that, now three. That, mm -hmm. That's the metric. Uh, I mean, you you guys have a, and we should talk about it. Um, the Indiegogo field guide, but you guys have really over at Indiegogo. You guys have really um, taken some, some time to look at the statistics, and out of everything that you've seen, it that's that's a constant thirty percent in three days, roughly. You know, and yep. and the, the, you know some some folks might say like, oh, but you know, in the first week. Sure. I, I'm always the guy that's like, you know what, let's let, look, if it's good enough for Jesus, if he can raise himself off the cross in, in three days, we can raise money in three days. We can raise a substantial chunk of money. So my thing is, hey, let's, you know, let's push ourselves to hit that 30% mark in three days. Because here's the thinking. If we hit that in three days, we could quite possibly hit our goal halfway through the campaign. And if we can hit our goal, whatever that number is, halfway through the campaign, that means we have another half of that campaign where we have the potential to double it because we've proven that we can raise substantial amounts in half the time. So again, your goal, your, you know, your external goal might be $20,000. Let's say you hit the 30% mark right at the, you know, in the first three days, you hit that 20,000, you worked hard, nailed it halfway done, mm -hmm. which means now you can keep going. You can practically get 40 if you put that same amount of effort and outreach into the world. So my thing is always shoot low and aim high. Don't shoot for these high goals because the other thing that statistically we find in Indiegogo too is if you have a slightly lower goal, you, you're, you'll hit that goal quicker and once you hit the goal, people don't stop funding you. It's almost, you know, it's almost like Contrary to what we would think, it's like, oh, wow, they hit their goal. I don't need to help them now, you know, swipe the sweat off the brow because, you sure. know, you held out for that long. But no, most people want to see that this campaigner is a winner and they want to give more. But we also have to give them more reasons to keep giving us more money after we hit our goal. But 89% of Indiegogo campaigns, once they hit their goal, they go over their goal and they substantially go over their goal. That's that's awesome, by the way. I mean, I, I love, you know, from, from a standpoint of marketing, taking a look at the metrics and, and really having an idea of what has worked in the past and, and coming up with strategies that are realistic. I mean, yep. you know, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it really is all about just being realistic with those things. I'm, you know, I'm not as much of a statistics-based guy as I am a kind of like, I look at campaigns, I observe, and then for some reason the good ones stick in my head and I know what they've done to kind of do it right. But I'm seeing that the statistics absolutely are, are spot on in, in most of those things. Well, um, this, this I think is a good segue into, into one of our uh, 
one one of our, our filmmaking stuff readers questions, which is, and, and this has a lot to do with outreach, but how do you keep the momentum going? So, okay, let's say we do this and we really push it out and, and we've taken some time to really think about things. So our goals are realistic and we hit that mark in three days and we're at the 30% mark. Mm-hmm. What's your suggestions for, for keeping the momentum? And Are there some things that people have done in the past that work really well? Oh, totally. Um, I mean, I, you know, I see a few things. I'm trying to think of a couple of uh, really good examples, but I know that uh, one way to keep things going is constantly updating your funders. I mean, you know, you're just telling them what's going on, not bombarding them from, from the Indiegogo platform or the crowdfunding platform in general, but, but just, you know, you have something to say. You hit the, you know, you hit $25,000. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's cause for celebration. Take a picture of your beer, post it all across social media, post it on your Indiegogo page with an update. And say, we just hit 25000 And it's important to always say we because every single one of those funders are your team now. And they need to constantly feel that way because if you make them feel that way, they'll help you keep the momentum going without you even having to really ask them. So the number one way to do that is, of course, updates. And I always say, like, update videos. We're filmmakers. We should not be writing anything anymore. We should be shooting. We should take a page from YouTubers. They put everything in video format and they get the responses because not a lot of people, and I hate saying it, Jason, too, is like I look at certain posts. I love I like, like Medium because it tells you how long it takes. I don't read anything that's longer than two minutes, you know, which is, <laughs> is tough. It's, you know, it's terrible because it's like I know there's great content out there, but it's like I just don't have the time, you know. But if it's a two-minute video, I've got it. I've got it done. And the only reason is a two-minute, you know, a five-minute read for me will take like 10 minutes. So you want to keep people's attention spans in mind. We're filmmakers. Let's just put ourselves on the camera and say, hey, this is what happened. Updates are so important. Twitter, you know, again, keeping the momentum going is not posting about your campaign all day long. Although, here's the downside, you have to post your campaign all day long. But you have to do it each time creatively and differently. You have to put, you, you put a picture out there of, you know, of a puppy and, okay, maybe that puppy relates to your campaign in some way. Or you write something that's kind of funny or it's a meme. You just you do that kind of stuff that gets people to laugh and they'll be more likely to click. If they laugh, they'll click. If they cry, maybe not so much crying, but you got to just make them feel something at the end of the day to kind of like give them a reason to keep going back and sharing that campaign with you. Mm -hmm. Well, what you're talking about are, you know, those are great engagement strategies, regardless of whether or not you're in a crowdfunding campaign or you're selling uh, breakfast cereal. Um, I don't know where I came up with that analogy. It's a horrible analogy, but uh, getting hungry though now. Thanks. <laughs> but my point of that is, you know, you said something very interesting that you have to either entertain or make people feel something. And now we're 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 circling back to the value, right, of social media engagement and engagement in general, where you're giving somebody something, you know, for their time, which is valuable. And and to be able to feel something or laugh at something. You know, I find that more valuable than reading yet another post that says "buy my stuff." Right. Oh of no, we don't. We don't want that anymore. Like most people, like you know, the way I look at it, I'm a terrible consumer. I like you can't sell me anything. 
um, except Fight Club soap. That I almost bought. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was about it. But everything else, I'm kind of like immune to, it's kind of like the Zen lifestyle. I'm immune to like, I don't want anything. I just need food and, and, and you know, a nice hat. And that's about it. That's the only thing I kind of want. But the idea is we can sell people on anything. We just have to not, re- not sell them at all. Just give them that value. Everything is about value. The reason I bring up entertaining stuff is because that's what people want. You look on BuzzFeed. You, I mean, I can't, you know, like there's so many silly things on all these you know, websites. But you know what? We click on them. And they're not necessarily selling us, but we clicked on them. There's a click through. Yep. And now imagine if we've got a campaign on the other end of that. You know, and we gave them a little value. They, we send them to the campaign. And when they get to the campaign, there's more value. They can download something for free when they look on the page. You, you give in order to receive. The other key thing that, that I, I like to tell people, and we're filmmakers, we know this better than anybody. Don't be boring. <laughs> right? That's the number one rule of like, if you make a boring film, we're done. You're never going to get it sold. The same exact thing is happening now with crowdfunding campaigns. You cannot run a boring, run-of-the-mill cliche campaign you have to make it an experience for the people because once they you know and the social media element is one part but once they click they got to get an experience on the other end whether it's a crazy interesting pitch video whether it's some free stuff without you having to contribute it's got you got some links to get free stuff mm-hmm. you know, they want something of value they want to know about your campaign they want and but they but they also want that, that kind of value. They want to feel like they're a part of it. And if you can do that when they get to the campaign, you, get, you, build, you sustain longer. You know? Now, you know, going back to, again, sustaining, this is a constantly evolving thing. So you can plan out a good strategy for your campaign for the, for the two months you're going to crowdfund, possibly. But at the same time, you also need to leave a little bit of room for the spontaneity aspect because you want to respond to people and what they're saying. Just like you posted that, those questions, the, that question about crowdfunding and you have you know, a bunch of comments now because that's the engagement factor. We gotta do the same thing. We're gonna be listening. And if you're posting you know, pictures of your campaign's perks and it's not turning into actual campaign contributions, you need to quickly understand, all right, I gotta change up the tactics. And you need to have that ability to do that and think fast on our feet. But again, we're filmmakers. We do this on a regular basis when we shoot a film. Half of us are director, editor, you know, costume designer, and all this other stuff. And we've got to constantly think in di- with different hats at every second. So we just got to apply that to crowdfunding in order to be able to stretch it out um, and keep the interest. That's really, at the end of the day, it's just about keeping people's interest. One one of the readers has a question about hiring um, one of the third party services. There there seem to be a few of them that are popping up. I'm sure some are great, and I'm sure like anything else, some of them are less than great. What's your thoughts there? Is, is that helpful? Have you have you seen in your experience um, that sort of thing really benefiting the filmmaker, or do you find that because it's removing maybe the genuineness of the campaign? I mean, I'm sure that's a very loaded question, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a loaded question. I mean, I, I have, um, so my personal thought on that is, uh, 
a crowd, you know, if you're running a crowdfunding campaign, the filmmaker needs to be front and center. They need to be the face of the campaign. Does it? You know, it's nice if it's the director. It should be. It could be the producer, but the the, the campaigners are the filmmakers. You know, because that's genuine. Mm-hmm. That's being a genuine person. Um, you can totally have a campaign manager. That's great because they might, you know, run the campaign, but you're still going to be in most cases, the face behind the campaign. And that's what people want to see the sites that, that, you know, are, are out there. I mean, I, I have to deal with them on a, on a kind of regular basis. Um, you know, they, they, let me just put it this way. If they post on your campaign comments or they post on your Facebook wall or they, if they, if they, put themselves in your face and you read it and it sounds like they wrote it and they're just copying and pasting it, obviously don't go near them because they don't know the first thing about social. And then chances are when you click on them and you see their social media, it's never impressive, which means if you can't keep up with your social, how on earth can you keep up with mine? How on earth can you grow my audience? Because at the end of the day, what, what a lot of them are going to do, and I'm not going to mention any names because I'm a gentleman like that, um, but, uh, but, but what they traditionally do is they post your campaign to their network, not yours. They're not searching hashtags like a filmmaker should, looking for horror so that they can tap into the horror genre people who are reading about horror and because their movie happens to be a horror. They're these companies are tweeting out and Facebooking and sharing to their network and their network could be, if they have thousands upon thousands, it's probably all purchased, which means there's no outreach. Um, and that's an easy thing to find. That's what I do with everything to be honest. So filmmakers, here's a tip. (laughs) I'm giving a quick tip. If you find one of these and you want to know if it's legit or not, go to their Twitter click on their, their, their info. And if you see that they've tweeted 50,000 times, that's pretty damn impressive. I got to say, but if they're only following 60 people and they have a following of 50,000, you might want to kind of weigh that a little bit because that just probably means they're talking a lot or they're sharing and they bought a lot of these followers, but they're not engaging with anybody because they're not following as many people or nowhere near as many people. So that's kind of like a, that's what I do. That's the first thing that I do with, with anybody really. Um, so you just, yeah, I mean, my, my gut always tells me avoid them because, uh, a lot of them are charging a percentage on top of the platform fees on top of the, you know, PayPal and credit card fees. And at the end of the day, you're just going to lose more funding and there's no guarantee that these companies can get you the audience that you need. And again, this isn't about money. This is about audience because you're not going to just crowdfund this one project. You are crowdfunding not even a bunch of projects. You're crowdfunding you as a filmmaker because ultimately the goal should be to not make a career necessarily out of crowdfunding all of your films, but using crowdfunding for each of your films to enhance and grow the audience that you're already amassing. And no company can do that except you this i mean i'm it's everything that you're telling me is so awesome first of all because it's great advice secondly because it completely validates all the things that i talk about on the film distribution side which is almost an exact parallel what you're doing on your end you're kind of at the front end which is like hey i gotta help um this this tool this crowdfunding is going to help me source an audience not just for this project 
but all projects moving forward. And the second part that I think is vitally important, and I want to hit on it again, is the part about going to filmmaker-oriented websites and <laughs> and and saying, hey, I got this great crowdfunding campaign. And as I'm sure you can imagine, and I'm sure you experienced this too, I get I would say on a weekly basis, at least a dozen requests to tweet or post about somebody's crowdfunding campaign. And my first response is like, oh, you're making a movie related to independent filmmaking? Because that's who my audience is. And uh-huh. essentially what you're saying is I want to market my movie about purple pine cones to filmmakers. And I don't think there's a, there's a strong connect there. Yeah, there's there's really not. I mean, there's there's a you know what I've noticed is there are so many. I mean, you know, filmmaking stuff is is definitely one of the the, the better ones that I've seen. But filmmaker communities out there of of like minded people who are helping one another out, whether it's crowdfunding, whether it's distribution, it doesn't matter what it is. There's people here that will help in those areas. But your audience is a completely different animal. I mean, I, you know, and, and again, I, I always tell people like, you know, especially when they share on Twitter, you know, put the right hashtags, you know, yes, definitely hashtag, you know, indie film because your film's an indie film, you know, and if you want help supporting it, hashtag support indie film, you know, and these are communities that will help spread the word about your film. But if you have a, again, I go back to horror because it's one of the big genres on Indiegogo uh, right now is like everybody's got a horror movie and there's, there's a lot of great ones. But again, if you're marketing it to the indie film community, you're only reaching the tiniest, if the percentage even exists, of your fan base. You have to hit the horror, you know, uh, hashtags and the vampire, ha- you know, all those things. But then on the other token, you can't forget about the blogs. There's Fangoria. There's you know Rue Morgue. There's uh, uh, Bloody Disgusting. There's all these, you know, and these are on the higher level. And there's so many smaller ones too. You need to not only reach out to them and be like, hey, check out my campaign. It's a horror one because they get that every day, like you said. Sure. But you have to work your way into the foundation of that community. You have to read their blog. But you can't just read their blog as a filmmaker. You have to comment on their blog because they won't know that you read it otherwise. And then the more you do this, the more you give value to those communities and the more those communities will be happy to add value to their community by sharing your awesome new horror film. But again, all of this takes time. And this is something that filmmakers, I'm noticing, filmmakers in particular, because that's what I work with, they just don't want to hear. They don't want to hear how much time they have to spend not making their film. But to be honest, and, and I, I hate saying this because it's the case with me too. Everybody's a filmmaker. Everybody can be a filmmaker today. Part of the real filmmaker job is branding yourself. And I hate that word brand. I don't hate anything really, but I dislike the word brand. Um, so I, I, I get used, it uh, because it kind of sounds like you're, you're, you're eroding the emotional uh, connection. Yes. Yes. Well, actually, um, you know, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but, uh, uh, per- personal culture is like the, the word that I'm using now because of, um, oh my God, I can't believe the war of art, uh, author, Stephen Pressfield. Uh, I hope Stephen forgives me for not remembering his name briefly, but, um, <laughs> no, he, uh, I, I read this, this, that quote in his, uh, in his latest book of uh, the authentic swing, which is an amazing read. 
And, and I don't read much these days. So I got through it on a plane ride in like three hours. It was fantastic. But he said like the, the, the really important thing is building your personal culture. Who are you? You know, I mean, again, we have strong personal cultures. Every filmmaker needs to develop that first, which means tweet, Facebook, write blogs about filmmaking, about distribution, about, about anything that adds value to people's lives so that your name gets out there as a person who knows about this topic and then people will be more likely to help you out in the long run because you've given them something all those years, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Well, well, let's take a you know step back. You use the examples of filmmaking and distribution, and, and that's certainly a wheelhouse that that I'm really into. But let's say you're a filmmaker and you're like, oh, you know, I don't want to write yet another blog about filmmaking. What I really want to do, because again, we're talking about audience segmentation, and using the example of like your horror filmmaker, if they're really into horror filmmaking, um, my instinct is to tell that horror filmmaker that maybe they should start a blog or some sort of something to do with horror films long before they begin their crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's almost a mandatory thing nowadays. Um, because again, it, you, you, nobody knows people, you know, nobody, there's like, there's famous and there's internet famous, right? These are the words and fame is this big illusion. But in the end of the day, like we know the same people, you and I, you know, Jason, we know a lot of the same people we've seen them at. Why, why do we know them? Because we follow them on Twitter. They talk to us on Facebook and we go to events and we meet them in person and we talk to them and we might have dinner with them. This is all part of the job. It's nothing new. It's the same stuff that Hollywood players have been doing for decades, you know, but we're doing it at a different level and with different tools, but it's the same thing. We want to be well-known for what we do. If we like horror, let's, let's get into horror. If we're a romantic comedy person, let's be the best at it. Let's write about it. Let's review a romantic comedy every week. Everybody on Twitter and Facebook probably knows I'm all about film noir for the last three years of my life. <laughs> I've been all about it. And every single, not every single day, because, you know, it's, it's a little tough now, but, um, you know, at least once, twice to three times a week, I've got a picture on my, on my social media of the movie I'm watching with a little saying, couple of hashtags to reach out to the film noir audience. And it helps me connect with other people because at the end of the day, when I'm done talking about crowdfunding at 6 p.m., I want to talk about film noir. I want to talk about comics. I want to talk about anything except crowdfunding for filmmakers. You know, but I will still talk about crowdfunding for filmmakers because it's going to relate to all of those things that I also want to talk about. So that, that's the key thing is we want to build ourselves into these we want to build ourselves up into these things that are almost synonymous with what we're about, you know? So, um, and there's many different ways to do that. I mean, it all depends, but the, the tough thing is a lot of filmmakers, the reason we're behind the camera is because we don't want to be in the spotlight, but, and, and years ago when I first started, um, when I first started with crowdfunding and when I first got to Indiegogo, I was all about like, oh, you know, it's fine. You know, you don't need to be like, for example, the pitch video. You don't need to be in your pitch video. But the more I see people not in their pitch video, I don't contribute. I don't feel a connection. So now I tell people, you have to be in your pitch video. And if they tell me, yeah, but I'm really better on the outside of the camera, I'm like, well, 
too bad. Like, you know, you need to get in front of that camera and you need to be authentic. You need to tell us who you are. Because at the end of the day, we look at, we look at movies and what do we remember about them? We remember the movie if they're good, but if it's really good, we ask, who directed it? And then we're going to see every movie that that director does. We're not invested in that one movie that really hit us. We're invested in that filmmaker. That's right. Um, I, you know, I, I know we've, we've covered a lot of stuff today and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that you stopped by. I think the filmmakers that are listening to this are going to get a lot out of it. Um, real quick though, because you hit on a lot of things and I think, you know, if I were a filmmaker and this were my first crowdfunding campaign, I might walk away feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Um, (laughs) and I know in my conversations with Adam Chapnick in the past, he'd mentioned something about having a team. Um, when you go into a crowdfunding campaign, is that something that, that you would suggest as well? Um, always, yeah. I, I definitely have a team of people. You can do, you know, you can definitely do it alone. I'll jump into the statistics. Statistics say that campaigns that have a team on board raise more money. Um, I'm not sure of the actual number because numbers are not my good friend. Um, I, like I said, I know that one, that one statistic of like 89% of campaigns overfund because I'm just blown away by that one. Yeah, it's a pretty um, good one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in my head, right? So, um, but, but, but definitely when you have a team, you definitely will raise more money. Um, the best thing about it is you get to delineate jobs. So let's say you're not the best at social media. I personally think you should work to be the best you can be, but you might not have, that might take some time and you really need to crowdfund now. You can get someone else to work the social media angle for you or with you is the better term yeah. because at the end of the day, it's better to do it all together, you know, together like, like the new Indiegogo branding, together we can do anything and, and that's, I truly believe that and you can do it alone too, but you know what, with a world the way it is right now, why would we? There's so many people out there who are willing to help filmmakers. Let's all help them out. You know? And that's why I do what I do. I think, I don't want to speak for you, Jason, but I think that's why you do what you do. You know, it's part of this ginormous team of, of, of people trying to help filmmakers get their movies made. So on a crowdfunding campaign, it's so important to have some form of a team, even if it's three people. That's all I had you know, four years ago. So three people works. I've seen campaigns with 10 people. You know, with imaginary titles that don't even make sense, and they do really well. Um, definitely have a team, and definitely just just to kind of make sure people go away not feeling overwhelmed because that's never the thing. Crowdfunding is probably one of the best things we can ever do. Again, not to raise money necessarily, but to raise awareness about our projects and ourselves. The other key thing is to just do it with a strategy in mind. No. Exact, no kind of what you're going to be doing for the duration of the campaign. So if you're running it for 30 days, know what you're going to do roughly during that time so that you can battle back the lull, which is that very quiet time where there's no contributions coming in and you're about to panic. <laughs> and, and instead of panicking, we take a minute, we breathe, and we say, all right, I got this. I already know that in two days this is going to happen because I strategized to unleash a new perk on this date and I'm going to do this. This way when other things happen that throw the campaign off a little bit, you know, Murphy's Law, right? Sure. Um, You're prepared to deal with those things 
without sacrificing the campaign because the campaign's kind of running almost on autopilot for certain things, which leaves room for the spontaneity of creating that experience that I talked about earlier. Just a couple last-minute questions here, John, and, and I appreciate, again, the time. But uh, some of the filmmakers have chimed in. I, if it's okay with you, I'll just give you some, some of these questions. And yeah. um, if you don't fully know the answer because I'm throwing them out at you spontaneously, uh, that's okay. Just let us know your best thoughts. But uh, one, of, one of the readers wrote, how do you find the big investors, or in, in crowdfunding terminology, the big uh, contributors? Um, and, and that's probably a little bit loaded, too. Yeah, I think they're all going to be loaded questions, but uh, you know, let's, let's, let's bang them out, right? Um, sure. So the, uh, the big investors, or, or, or the, for the, the real term, the big funders or backers, um, you know, they're out there. The key thing is they're going to want to see the same things that the real equity-type investors are looking at. They're going to want to, I mean, if somebody's going to give like a thousand, well, I mean, it depends on what we mean by big, but, you know, if sure. somebody's going to give 10K to your campaign, they're not going to see a dime of that as of right now in you know return on investment because it's not an investment. So they there's but they're still going to want to see that this film is going to get on iTunes, that people are going to see it, that it's going to be something they can be proud of, uh, that they can get behind. It's so, like a like an emotional investment. They want to they want to yeah yeah they they they're going to want to flaunt it when it comes out on iTunes and say like oh check this out you know that's a that's a movie I gave ten grand to you know. That's what they're going to want. So they're going to look to see that you're being professional as filmmakers, that you've got a plan, that you, that you, have, you, know, you have press releases going out because chances are that's where they're going to find your campaign. They're going to find it by reading blogs because that's what some of them do or you know, websites and things like that. But you can't really hook the press. On, I mean, you can definitely hook the press earlier, but if you don't have at least that 30% in the bank mm-hmm. before you get the press, the press is almost kind of like useless. So, so you would suggest that maybe get a publicist, um, which is different than what we talked about before. We, before I mentioned about outsourcing the entire crowdfunding campaign. But getting a publicist or at least trying to arouse the press, um, would you say that that's helpful as long as you have the 30%? Yep, that's, that's exactly what I would say. The, the, miscon- the misconception about press is that if I get press, it's gonna, this thing is going to blow up. I can tell you it, uh, it very rarely happens. Very rarely, because again, the first the press is good for getting people to the campaign, but once they're there, they can't be bored. And the one thing that might bore them slightly is seeing ten bucks raised of fifty thousand. Then they're going to say, "Oh, let me come back when it's got more momentum." Chances are they won't come back because they won't remember to. Tell us a little bit, and and then kind of a segue um, in in terms of enticing people. Do you have any advice on? maybe the, the perks that they should offer. And, and I know that that's the whole gamut as well. Um, but should they have a DVD? Should they have a t-shirt? And then the second part of that question is talk a little bit about the $1 perk. Mm, interesting. Ah, the $1 perk. All right. Well, for the uh, first part of that question is, um, or the, or the answer that I have is, um, basically your perks should be, um, should there's th- I have three types of perks that I talk about: standard definition, high def, and three dimensional. So standard is your DVDs, your your digital downloads. You have to give those if you're making a movie. Bottom line, um, because that's what we want to buy. High definition are like experiences that you can't get anywhere else except this campaign. So streaming the movie as it, uh, you know, live streaming it as it plays on uh, on a in a film festival like Life Itself did the Roger Ebert documentary. Um, like they did at Sundance, that's that's a huge thing. 
um, dinner with the director. Those are all great. Three-dimensional perks are the ones that really seek to, to, to reach out to the audience, bring them into the world of your campaign and your film. So those are things that require a lot more work, but the return on that work can be massive. Again, good friend of mine, Tim Sparks, he ran a campaign for a movie called Around Here, 20 bucks. He writes me a song on his ukulele, records <laughs> it on, on, you know, on YouTube, and I got it now, and it says my name, and it's cool, and it's like, that's what I'm talking about. Another good friend of mine, Michael Farrell, did a movie called 20 Million People, same deal, 25 bucks. I got a choose-your-own-adventure-style romantic comedy starring yours truly, $25. I love that. Love that. Did they, work their, did they work their asses off? Oh, yes, they did. They worked hard, but they got a lot of people giving at those levels, and not only those levels, but higher. And again, I just always go to my, my, my campaign for Cerise back four years ago when crowdfunding was in its infancy. You have $10, and I'm writing you a poem in the form of your name. And it's people were giving at that level, but they also looked further because they said, oh, 10 bucks, I get a poem. What do I get at 25? Oh, I get a t-shirt. Where the heck is the DVD? Because it's the movie. I want the movie. Oh, the DVD at 50 bucks, but I also get the t-shirt and the poem. I got a lot of people giving 50 bucks. Because so it all, it, and it's because you're, you're, you're giving the most value, which is the poem in that case, at a very low amount. Most people can afford 10 bucks easy. When they look at an art form like writing a song or writing something, they're going to be, they're, 10 bucks is a steal. So they're going to feel kind of, they, they're going to want to feel like they should give more. So they're going to look at the next level of the perk. So you want to add value without taking away the true value, which in my campaign, it was all about writing poems for people. I wrote over a hundred of them. But that, that must have taken you some time. Oh, it, it, you know, well, here's the little secret. Writing poetry for me, because I have a master's in it and all that, that's pretty easy. But the general public, they look at it like it's very hard. Now, granted, was I spending a lot of time on it? I spent the most time I ever spent writing all those poems, but it was also the best experience I ever had writing poetry because I wasn't writing it for me. I was writing it for other people. Talk, talk to us about the $1 perk. $1 perk, I'm not a big fan of it personally because I think in today's world, if you're crowdfunding, everybody can afford $5. I mean, I've seen like people, friends of mine who are homeless that gave me five bucks for my campaign. Um, I'm not even joking. Two people. Um, but they literally didn't have homes. So they could afford, you know, I, I think the idea is everybody can afford $5 because it is the price of a really high-priced latte. It's a big cliched metaphor. Yeah. But I still think there's value to it. It's like you can afford it. You could take a day off from it, get a crappy cup of coffee, get your caffeine intake, and give that $5 bill to somebody who, who deserves it. So I say your $5 perk should be something pretty cool like social media shout out. Thank somebody in public. You're using their Twitter handle, which is the closest thing to their name that, that it gets on a, on a social media platform. And then go up from there, but keep that social media $5 shout out in every other perk. I think a dollar is just, you know, again, it's almost like a cop-out amount where it's like, oh, I feel bad for this campaigner. I'll give them a buck because everybody can afford a buck for something they don't give a shite about. But if they give, if, but they'll give $5 for something they care deeply about. And, and that also puts the emphasis back on the filmmaker to, like you said, not be boring and actually provide some value. 
Absolutely. You know, I mean, I've seen the $1 perk of like, oh, you know, good karma. I mean, that's great. I'm a, you know, I got the Buddhist and Zen thing going, but, but at the end of the day, like I want something, I want acknowledgement at least that, that I gave something, but I don't expect it at a dollar, you know, that's a little too much, you know, but five bucks, oh, I get a nice little shout out. Cool. And if you can give something a little extra, I mean, it'd even be even better at five bucks, but then you got to take into consideration costs and stuff like that. So. Sure. And, and then, you know, talking about some of the add-ons, um, I've been involved with a couple campaigns where they, uh, they're, they've actually garnered momentum. So they come back halfway through the campaign and say, hey, if you come and give a little bit more, we're going to give you this extra perk. Um, talk very briefly about that, and then I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Yeah, no, cool. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it's a great strategy. It's, uh, you know, another strategy that I like a little bit better than that is like offering just new perks. Because if you're doing your job as a crowdfunding filmmaker, you're offering interesting perks. People will contribute again. Your funders will actually contribute again, especially if you send them an update and the updates on Indiegogo, they go directly to the fund, the people who funded the campaign. So if you offer them something that you're, you know, a new perk, but you offer it for like $5 less, they will completely jump on board that second perk. But if you didn't want to do that route, um, then you can definitely uh, have like a perk upgrade where they just pitch in a little bit more and they get something. Again, these are all ways to just reinvigorate the crowd because in a 30-day campaign, people can get a little burnt out, you know? Yep. So you, and, and, it's, and it's not their fault. If they're getting burnt out, it's our fault. We got to figure out the ways to keep those people coming back. That's why I always tell people, you can never thank your funders too much. Thank them. Send an update. Out of the blue, send a thank you, you know, just because you were thinking about them. And if you're thinking about that particular funder, send a quick email and just be like, hey, I just want to thank you again, man. You're awesome. Done. Because what's going to happen is then they're going to feel more invested in you and your project. And then when you unleash that new perk later, when the rest of the, the people looking at your campaign might be a little like oh, tired of it, you know, they'll be the first people to jump on board and say, you know, I'm going to give again. So, you know, yeah, it's just these are all like kind of kind of ways to keep that momentum on the rise. Every campaign, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the, the biggest, you know, YouTube star out there or, or John Tregonis who, you know, raised 5,000 bucks, you know, it, you're going to go through the dreaded lull and we just got to figure out ways to keep people entertained the whole time and keep them coming to our page as opposed to another campaign's. Well, well, speaking of coming to your page, um, if somebody wanted to work with you or at least find out more about you, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, great. Uh, they, can, they can check out my blog. Um, you can find me on Twitter. That's like the number one place to find me, um, you know, at Tregonis, just, you know, at my last name. And uh, my blog is johntregonis.com. And if, uh, you know, and if you feel like reading, I've got uh, crowdfunding for filmmakers that you can find on Amazon. And if you're ready to set up an Indiegogo campaign, Indiegogo in particular, you can reach out to me via, you know, via email. Uh, it's trig at Indiegogo.com, and I will be more than happy to chat. Well, great. Uh, this has been awesome, John. I think you've, 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 really, you've shared a lot of really good, actionable stuff when it comes to crowdfunding. And, you know, I, hopefully over time, uh, the filmmakers that listen to this are going to you know, just really come out with some really 
with some awesome movies and you and I can sit back and, and watch some of this stuff and know that at least in some small way we, we offered a tip or two that's helpful. Great. No, I definitely hope, uh, I hope this was, uh, definitely helpful for the, uh, all the, all the fans of filmmaking stuff out there. Um, so like I said, I, I like to just spread the word and, and make it a little easier for people to get them, get that funding they need. And more importantly, get the, uh, get the audience that they need and that they deserve to be quite honest. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, John, and um, we'll be in touch soon. All right. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, everyone.